What is going on, man? This is Edgar Otra Vez with another episode of the Flow Row Podcast. Now, if you're new to the show, make sure you head on over to the Flow Row Podcast website at theflowrowpodcast.com. There you'll find a complete catalog of all our episodes along with a store where you can buy stuff with the logo on it. So buy stuff. It's the it's very nice. It's very nice stuff. You should buy some. Also, if you want more nonsense, we are on Instagram. We go under the name The Flow Row. Just so you guys know, there was a few sound issues, but you know, that's how it goes. We have an awesome show for you today, man. I have not my cousin Dan as my co-host, and he is the owner of the Alpha Krav Maga Compound out in Northbrook, Illinois. He's a Krav Maga expert. He's a Taekwondo expert. He's fought uh, in, in kickboxing. He has a Master 1 ranking in Krav Maga. So a self-defense expert from every facet possible. The unstoppable George Bruyan. Man, he is one of the nicest people that you'll ever meet. And he can kick your ass. He can kick your ass real good. So uh, we go over a lot of things. We talk about self-defense. We talk about mentality. We talk about uh, lots of things. He's a great guy, and I hope you enjoy this one. Now on with the show. All right. So here we go. Welcome to another episode of the Flow Roll Podcast. I am Edgar Otra Vez. And today on the show, I have my co-host... Not my cousin Dan. What's up, Dan? Dobrano, it's Edgar. How are you doing? There you go, brother. <laughs> I like how you're using the Polish and you're not stealing other people's stuff. And, <laughs> <laughs> and today, our special guest, um, an old friend of mine, George Buruyan, who is the owner and uh, head instructor of Alpha Krav Maga Compound in Northbrook, Illinois. Uh, he is a fourth degree black belt in Krav Maga, um, the, a fifth Dan in Taekwondo, and he was inducted in the Martial Arts Hall of Fame in 2014. This man is a very decorated martial Can, artist. Uh, yes. Is there a not my cousin Dan in Taekwondo? I, I don't know, but maybe, maybe. Is that like the sixth Dan? Is not my cousin <laughs> yeah, yeah, Dan. Yeah, yeah, that's a different kind of Dan. That does, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a degree. <laughs> Yes. So, um, George, welcome to the show, man. How Thank you doing? Thank you for having me, guys. It's so good to see you. Yeah, it's good to see, see you guys. It's been a long time, man. A long time. I see you're having time. a lot of success with your uh, with your with your school, man. We are trying hard, man. Um, you know, um, we put a lot of effort, to be honest, and uh, especially now with the COVID, uh, it was a challenging year for a lot of people. And uh, sure. You know, we wanted to make sure that everybody who's coming here, they feel welcome. They feel like it's part of a family and uh, it's, it's more than a business for us. It's more of a, more of a community. Yes. So that's why we're trying to, to, to create that kind of environment. So um, we are very blessed to have a lot of good people there. And it's not just me. It's my wife, Diana. Also, it's the other instructor, Mikey, Al, um, uh, Scotty. Uh, Bella, uh, I hope I'm not missing anybody, uh, Lou, and uh, everybody else. And uh, I have a couple of uh, great friends there that they're coming and they're helping us. So we're blessed. 
Yeah, it's it's been really uh, a challenging year. Like even for me, like uh, with jujitsu and whatnot, it's especially with with martial arts that incorporate grappling. Mm-hmm. It, it was a very challenging year to kind of practice, and uh, I'm sure you yeah. had the, those kind of challenges too. But I saw that you were, that you know, that we're finally kind of past that stage. You've done a lot of things. I saw in terms of trying to keep people safe and and keep people coming in. And, you know, yep. congratulations, man. Uh, you, uh, Thank you. It's it, We're finally it. kind of like on the other side of this thing. I just started training myself. And so it's just, uh, it, it's it's amazing. But like, I and actually, I'm curious, how how's that? So both of you are in positions where you're kind of starting to get back, you know, to something that looks like normal, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm curious because I've been going out and doing more and more stuff. And it's almost kind of uh, uh, weird Cause it, it, it's starting to feel to me like people are just not ready yet. People are just not ready to be going back because I've been going to all this stuff where it's like, I reserved my spot like two months in advance or, you know, I bought tickets way early because it was like, Oh, well, if we're going back, it's going to be crushed, you know? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. I go and there's like 15 people there and, and it's, mm-hmm. it's just uh, like, and it keeps happening. It keeps happening where like I'm in these positions where it seems like there should be a lot more people here. People have been chomping at the bit to get out of their houses. And as far as I can tell it, it's starting to feel like people just aren't ready yet. Yeah. What do you guys think about that? So um, this is from my experience. Um, I believe there are three types of people. So number one, we had a group of people that they did not care about COVID. They didn't want to stay in the house. Uh, they understood more or less that it's a very serious thing, but they just did not want to live in fear. And I was one of them, to be honest with you. I completely understand the COVID is not a joke. Um, unfortunately, I lost my best friend to this. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, so it's an unfortunate situation. And, uh, and I'm sure other people, they lost, you know, friends and family members. However, you know, I felt that I don't want to live my life in fear. I mean... You can, you know, prevent things. You can live a life cautious and so forth. Wear the mask, wash your hands, do all the things. But in the end, you have to make a decision uh, for how long you're going to be locked down. So that's one type of person, right? Uh, The second type of uh, people that I encountered was people who were more cautious, who really felt nervous about it, but the moment they got the vaccine, they were done with it. Mm. So they said, okay, I'm, I did my part. I did my, I took my vaccine, done. And the third part of people, it's, it's people who they're going to live in fear no matter what. They got mm. a vaccine and they're going to stay locked up in the houses for who knows how long. Um, you know, this literally uh, affects a lot of people mentally, not just physically. Oh, sure. Yeah, Because, absolutely. you know, when you're bombarded every single day with negative news and yes. this thing happened, this thing happened, this thing happened, you know, you start believing. I explained this to some of my friends. I said, if the media will tell you every single day how many people get killed in a car accident and show you images and bombard you every day, literally, in six months, half of the population are going to drive. Yeah, you know, because it's psychological, you know, now, I'm not saying that COVID was not serious. I'm not saying it's still not, you know, a serious thing. It's just how you want to deal with it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I hear. And, well, and uh, there's there's other psychological factors to it too. I mean, like you don't just go from being in quarantine to just knowing how to be normal again. Yeah, yep, absolutely. So, like it going takes, to the store, like time. even even me, you know, like I'm, I feel like I'm pretty average. You know, I'm somewhere in between that. You know, I'm gonna live my life in fear, and I'm not gonna live my life in fear. You know, <laughs> so, so somewhere in between, right? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm but but like I go to I go to the store now, and like I'm at the point where like I'm vaccinated. Where I live, more than seventy percent of the population is vaccinated. So it's like I've always got a mask in mask in my pocket or something, but I'm not really wearing it mm-hmm. anymore right. unless I'm in a place where they still want you to wear it. And then fine, I'll wear it, you know. But it's still like when I go into a store, even like I get in line and and it's like, no, don't get right behind me. I'm not ready for that yet. Yeah. Yep. 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 You know, and it will take some time. Well, it will take some time for people to get used to that. Well, let me tell you, like, like the guy sitting right behind me in line, I never liked that guy to begin with. Right. I never yeah, wanted that exactly. fucking guy. That I actually to- kind of really <laughs> like social distancing, <laughs> yeah. frankly. I thought it was great. It had something it to do amazing. with COVID. It's just I didn't want this, you know, 200, 500-pound man breathing on me behind me. Like, boy, let me tell you something. Like, if when I think back on when I was younger, like, if going to shows and going to concerts and stuff was like that, I'd have never stopped going. Yeah. If it if it had been like you can stay six feet away from me on all sides, dude, I'd still be going to shows. You know, the yeah. double door would have never closed because I would have never stopped going to it. You know. Well, you but, know, here, here's another thing about what you were saying, Dan. Where you like you said you were like you go to the, you go to a place and then it's like half the people or a third of the people are only really showing up. Um, it, regardless of where you stand in terms of COVID being dangerous or whatnot. It's still like the fact that some people are still kind of apprehensive about going to something that still makes it safe. You know what I'm saying? Like the fact that these people are still not ready, it's, it's going to help, you know? So it's fine. It's, you know, I I want people to get back to normal. I'm somewhere a little closer to, to like, I got my vaccination and I'm ready to get back, but I, I have my kids who don't have a vaccine who like in general, the illness does not affect you know mm-hmm. but i've always played a safer hand in yep. terms of things so um the kids will not be going to jujitsu until it's time um yep. and and i will continue to practice with them at home they're not going to get the attention of a black belt it's unfortunate but in the meantime mm-hmm. at the very least they can train but this kind of this kind of uh the fact that you brought this up george uh kind of uh harkens to why i've always kind of uh like talking to you because one of the things that you made me uh realize is that sometimes uh people and this was before this thought became popular many years ago when we were training together in jujitsu you said this to me you said people are 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 kind of making themselves a victim on purpose like mm-hmm. they want to be a victim yep and they and, like to live in fear yeah, instead of instead of being people that should take uh, control of the situation. And that mm-hmm. was always kind of like an interesting kind of viewpoint that mm-hmm. you kind of opened my eyes to. I'm like, yeah, there, there are a, little, a lot of people who like playing the victim. And yep. uh, one of those things, and uh, forgive me if you if you don't want to talk about this, but. No, no, we can. But yeah, but one, one thing I wanted to bring up was your experience when you first came here from Romania 
Yep. You said, someone said to you, you hurt my feelings. Yes. And you were like, what the fuck does that even mean? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. It was a cultural shock for me. I'm not going to lie to you. So growing up in an environment and, uh, you know, I grew up in Romania and Romania was communist and socialist for so many years uh, until 1989 when we had our revolution, you know, um, looking at uh, what's happening in Cuba right now, it's very similar. We were, we went through 1989. Uh, The good thing for us, we were successful. However, um, you grew up in an environment where speaking of uh, feeling hurts, right? Uh, We grew up in an environment where uh, literally nobody cared that it was (laughs) hurting your feeling. It does, does not exist a word in Romanian language that describe the phrase, it hurts my feelings or that phrase. Yeah. So when I came here, you know, and I grew up, you know, of, of course, because I grew up in an environment where it was all about uh, being an athlete and trying to be the best and so forth. So the mentality is a little bit different, right? So coming up here and uh, my first year, I didn't speak English and I started uh, teaching in a Taekwondo school at that time. And, um, and I, I, I heard somebody saying that, you know, that hurt my feeling. And I couldn't comprehend what does that mean? What's that mean? It hurt my feelings, <laughs> you know? And uh, then somebody explained it to me. And I still, while he's explaining, I still couldn't comprehend. Why is that even an issue, you know? <laughs> and, um, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know? So yeah. now that I understand what hurts my feeling means, you know, I can say, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a very, um, it's very cultural, you know. Uh-huh. Um, I feel like um, American people and I feel like Latin people also, they are more um, prone to open their hearts to their feelings, to, mm-hmm. you know, to express their feelings, so to speak, <laughs> right? Uh, Eastern European- Polish people. Polish people are good at, at, at sharing their feelings, but they only have one feeling and that's anger. Yeah, that's, exactly. So Eastern European bloc, they're not too kind about expressing their feelings. So if you watch, for example, two fighters, let's say in a UFC, we had a UFC uh, last weekend, right? If you watch a fighter coming from the Eastern European bloc, from, doesn't matter, Poland, Russia, uh, Romania, so forth, and an American uh or Brazilian also, because Brazilians are very open, right? Yeah. Uh, if one of them win, you see the, usually the Eastern European, it's like, oh, okay, we won, I guess. But the other guy, it's like expressing his feelings. Sometimes they're crying and all that, right? And <laughs> it's hard for people from the other side to understand. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. It's, there's a lot of people there saying, in the Eastern European black saying, why is that guy crying like a bitch? Yeah. What's wrong with him, you know? Well, remember Fedor? I mean, Fedor is a perfect example of that. Fedor would like just like nothing. Just stone face. No expression. No expression. Never celebrated a win. Never, never showed frustration at a loss, you know? Yep. Even coming in. Very common. Even coming in, he he never. None of that. None yeah, of that. There's no talking crap. There's no, there's no trying to get a rise out of it. It's just, I'm, I'm here to do a job. I'm either going to do it well or I'm going to lose. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was like, so matter of fact, and that was almost scarier than if he would have showed any kind of personality, you know? I will oh, give yeah. you an example. Um, I was competing in, uh, in Russia in St. Petersburg and uh, it was a 16 man tournament. And um, is this in Taekwondo or kickboxing? It or? was a kickboxing. Okay. And um, I seen, you know, you, you can see your other opponents warming up and so forth. And I'm looking at this guy was a Russian guy who was older. Like I would say at that time was mid thirties. Okay. And the, I, the way I see that is warming up. You can tell that he's very loose. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I wish I'm not fighting that guy. So, and I'm watching him just by warming up. He's so calm, so composed. And you know, that's when you're like, mm, there's something special about that guy, man. Sure yeah. enough. I met him in the final. Let me tell you, it's the biggest lesson that I learned in my life. He was so calm, so composed. And all he did was for one first round, just, just beating my biceps. That's it. And I'm thinking to myself, I said, hmm, this is not that bad. Except that I couldn't lift my left arm ah, after the second round. Nice. So that to me, I was like, holy cow. That was the old wolf, you know? Yes. And it's like, yeah, let me, let me deal with that. You know what I mean? So point I'm making is you can see when like going back to Fedor, he was so calm, so relaxed because his confidence was a such a high level and of also the skill because you can have a confidence. Like you see some fighters, they go out there and scream and all that, but the skill is not there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, that's why you can see. And, and I always, when I was competing, I always look, for the guy that is the calm, relaxed one, because I knew that's the worst opponent that you can have, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny too, because like some of the nicest people that I've met have been fighters. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've yeah. met, I've met, I've met, uh, Dan Inasano. I have met, mm-hmm. uh, the head of the Muay Thai, uh, association. I've met, yep. you, you know, I've, I, you know, have, you know, all these friends in, in jujitsu and, Every single one of you guys, nicest guys, the nicest mm-hmm. guys, because you guys are all like killers, right? I mean, and, and some of the biggest <laughs> jerks. And then you got Dan, not my cousin Dan, <laughs> who's a comedian. <laughs> well, it's biggest asshole you've ever met. <laughs> well, it's just like you know, it, it has a lot to do with confidence. You know, no, you're you're a pretty yeah. confident guy, Dan. I don't I, I don't see you as being a jerk, but you know, I, yeah, I don't. The, I don't have much issue with confidence. I mean, there's, there's a, yeah. yeah, it might be the uh, the Eastern uh, European part. I might, of <laughs> I might have some issues with you know arrogance, <laughs> but, but not so much confidence. <laughs> oh man! So um, so tell us about um, how you started in martial arts. How old were you when you when you first started? Oh, uh, I started at six years old. I was six years old uh, with boxing. Uh, back in Romania in the communist system um, and I'm sure in Poland if you have relatives there martial arts was not allowed so you could practice the Olympic style like boxing, wrestling or judo but any other martial arts was illegal so my dad was a boxer before so he put me in boxing and sometimes he was training me at home and so forth and I'll never forget I was six years old I uh, did um, like an exhibition fight um for in the in the national tournament for seniors right so it was me and another kid 
I was six, he was 12, but we were the same size. So he was a 12, small 12 years old. Okay. And uh, it was like an exhibition fight, you know, but as a kid, you don't know that. You're in the ring with big boxing gloves, right? So I'm guessing they were shorter around, but I can't remember that part. But what I do remember is the kid was whooping my ass the first two rounds. Oh, so I remember my dad came up to the corner after the second round and he said to me, hey, listen here, kid, if you can coming down this ring and you're not being this guy, I whoop your ass right here in front of everybody. <laughs> what? I was so scared of my dad that I started wailing on that kid and the kid started covering up in the corner, turned, my, turned his back on me. And the referee wanted to stop the fight. And the public, I will never forget, the, the, the people in attendance, they were, they were yelling, let them go, let them go, let them go. They thought it was the, the most entertaining ever. Wow. So I thought I won the fight, right? So the referees holding our hands on the end. And of course, it was an exhibition fight between two kids, right? Uh -huh. So I see he's raising our hands. I thought he's raising just my hand. So I'm like, yeah, I won. And I see the other kid is, is happy. And I'm thinking, why is this guy happy? I won, you know? <laughs> I'm looking at him. I'm like, I won. And he's looking at me like, no, I won. And we, we actually, you know, we both won. But my point I'm making in this, I felt like that last round, because of my dad, because my dad literally helped me conquer my fear. Uh -huh. Because, you know, when you're a six-year-old boy, you have all that fear and you see the other kid and, you know, the punches are coming and all that. But I learned a big lesson at that time. There are fights that I don't even remember having them. But that one, I'm like, man, I better be... I better be winning this one, you know. Did so my dad was an old school type of uh, mentality, as you can tell. You know what I yeah. mean? But um, it works. Yeah. Your, your dad it helped you conquer your fear with fear. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> right. For sure. <laughs> I didn't know which one is worse. The kid in the front of me or the dad, you know. I think, I think my dad is worse. So Whatever <laughs> you're afraid of, there's something worse to be afraid Absolutely. of instead. Absolutely. <laughs> So that was your first boxing match at six years old. Yes. And you were fighting a 12-year-old kid. Yes. But he was, like, like I said, it was my size. So we were both, like, I would say almost the same weight. Uh -huh. But, you know, nonetheless, 12 years old is still, you know, more mature than a six years old. Yeah. But nonetheless, apparently, you know, I did pretty good, at least in the last round. So, wow. you know, that was proud of me. My coaches were proud of me. So everybody was cheering for us. So uh -huh. I, I, I thought this was the greatest thing ever, you know. And, and, and that, uh, and that inspired you for some more, like you went off and yep. so what you and then you know, after that, um at nine years, I was continuing with boxing up to nine years old. Uh then I had uh, an appendix removed. So my mom said, That's it, you don't get punched in the stomach no more. So somehow later on, when I was, I think like around 10 years old-ish, uh one of my older friends, uh, he was involved in a taekwondo and he took me under his wing and got me trained and progressed through the ranks. And then I became a uh, member of the national team. Uh, I was actually one of the first two black belts in Taekwondo in Romania at that time. Oh, wow. In 1991. Yeah. Um, and uh, in Taekwondo WTF at that time. And um, then from there on, I was a member of the national team for many years. Then I became the head coach of the national team for many years and so forth from there on. And, um, yeah, that's, that's how my journey in martial arts started. Wow. And then yeah. you eventually you, you joined the military and then you, you left that yeah. in here. 
And uh, where did you learn Krav Maga? Was it in the so I started Krav Maga when I was in the military back in my old day, and uh, then I start training more and more. Um, for me, Krav Maga was literally everything put together. Um, Krav Maga is a system that it's developed from many other systems from boxing, Muay Thai, Jiu Jitsu, wrestling, and so forth, but street oriented. So the simplicity, the effectiveness, it literally, it literally blew my mind at that time. So I mm. said, man, I got to learn this shit, man. This was unbelievable at that time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what surprised me when I came here uh, to see, I came here in uh, 2002, right after uh, September 11. And um, I saw that here in the United States, they were teaching Krav Maga for civilians, which was a big shock for me. Because yeah. at that time, nobody else in the world was teaching for civilians. I mean, probably they were here and there schools, but it was very unpopular. So at the time that I came here, I was talking to, uh, you no, know, I came and I worked all kinds of jobs. And uh, I was going in the nighttime and I was training uh, sometimes jujitsu, sometimes uh, kickboxing, sometimes taekwondo, depends on uh, the day. And um, this guy that I used to train, uh, he said, hey, listen, do you want to start teaching at my school? And that's how we start. I didn't speak English at that time. Oh, wow. So when I started teaching classes there, it was more of, I was showing them the technique and three words and yes, no, left, right. And that was it, you know, <laughs> but apparently the people that had enough patience and um, I remember the story, you know, when you sit down and you stretch, you sit down on, on the floor and you stretch and you lift left, right and so forth. Right. Yeah. Well, I used to say, sit down and uh, open your legs. You know? <laughs> so somebody came up to me, like after I was saying it for like months, <laughs> <laughs> and somebody, a woman came up to me and after that she said, no, it's not the best way to say that. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, why? You sit down and you open your legs, you know? And she's like, I will say, it's better if you say, stretch your legs and whatever. And I'm thinking to myself, mm, What's so special about that? You know? <laughs> and then they explain it to me behind yeah, the yeah. words, what the meaning is, you yeah. know? So I was like, oh, so I've been saying it for six months. Nobody was commenting <laughs> on that, you know? It was a hard experience for me. Oh, so, well, they didn't want to yeah. hurt your feelings. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, and um, now it's my wife that uh, is, she's... Um, she is the one that is my my Rosetta Stones, you know. She's telling me, hey, George, you can't say that in the class. You got to say it this way. So I'm like, oh, okay. So yeah. she's been correcting my language for many years now. But, uh, <laughs> I wish she didn't say that to me because now I feel like I'm going to say that every time I lead class now. Okay, everybody I'm sit down and open your legs. <laughs> yep. I think you should. No. I think it's going to become your thing, man. Yeah. <laughs> now it's going to be in my head. Now I'm going to be like teaching class. I'm like, oh, can't say that. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you mentioned some of the like basic principles of, of uh, Krav Maga, like uh, aggression and whatnot. What are, what are some of the basic principles that like you wish you could tell people? Like from the beginning, so this is what this is what you need to know in order to be effective and learn Krav Maga. So the idea initially was they wanted the system, develop a system that 
you can teach military in a very short time, right? Because when you're in the military, you have most of the most of the units, even the specialized unit, two weeks of hand-to-hand combat. Two so in weeks. two weeks, yes. That's weeks. nothing. Yep. Even in, in, in two weeks, it's not a lot that you can learn. You know what I mean? So they were trying to develop a system that works under stress, and they were trying to develop a philosophy that's very common in the military. In the military, mm-hmm. the philosophy is in order to survive an ambush, you got to attack the ambush. So based on that mentality, based on that mindset, they developed the Kramaga principle. Yeah. And among other things, the number one philosophy is attack the attacker, attack the attacker. It's always that offensive mindset. So with that being said, now they develop techniques that they felt like works under certain circumstances. And what they did very well at that time, after every hand-to-hand combat that the soldiers were involved, they were bringing them in and they were asking them questions and they were saying, okay, uh, so what happened? I did this, 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 this. I remember when I was in Israel, and I was training there. Uh, it was a uh, situation that one of the instructors brought up, and he said that uh, they had a soldier in the in the field, and uh, this terrorist pulled a gun on him, and he wanted to shoot him in the face. Mm. So the guy, because his hands were busy uh, with his uh, rifle, the guy literally kicked him in the groin, and the guy collapsed. And then from there on, they apprehended. And they asked him. They said, "Okay, um, why did you do that?" And the soldier was literally like this. <clears throat> I have no idea. He said, that's what I felt at that moment. And for them, it was like, yep, it makes sense. It worked. Great reaction. Wow. So a lot of drills that we do in Krav Maga is are built on that, developing that aggressive mindset. Yeah. And also testing the people under stress. Because in the end, you're as good as your skill under stress. So if I have to tell somebody, you know, always in martial arts, people, they say, oh, this system is the best. This system is the best. I think that's the wrong mentality. I think that's the wrong mentality. I think every system have great, great uh, techniques and every system is great as long as it's done right. That's the bottom line. And now the question becomes, what is your goal? What do you want to accomplish training in a specific system? You know, and then certain systems are more, um, suitable for certain people, certain type of people. You know, um, if you have, for example, bad knees and, uh, you know, a bad back, probably Taekwondo is not your best option, right? Or if you have, let's say, for example, uh, certain limitation, uh, maybe you're not going to go to a judo place and so forth. So you have to understand what is your goal, you know? But in the end, I think knowledge is power. Yeah. every yeah. system has so many great things and you can learn so many things you know as long as it's done right you know I, one thing i noticed when i came to united states unfortunately martial art and and this includes krav maga and this includes taekwondo this includes mixed martial art um some schools are better than the others and i'm sure uh edgar you you experienced that with a lot of schools you know when i came here my first uh six months seven months I was literally going through like 50 schools that they were close enough to my, my house. Yeah. And I'm not kidding you. I mean, in some schools I went there and I was the only grown up in the gym, you know, and there were wow. 13, 14 years old kids, 
and it is what it is, right? I mean, there is nothing wrong with that. Yeah. In other schools, um, by the time I kind of warm up, class was over, everybody clapping hands, go home. In other school, it was just a workout and literally no technique. In other school, nobody cared who's yeah. doing what he's doing. You know what I mean? So again, like anything else, some schools are doing a really good job teaching. Some schools, not so much. You see a lot of times, and I'm trying not to be that person. You know, that's why I'm, I'm there in my school seven days a week. Um, the big name instructor is starting the school. And then along the road is never there and just the name on the wall. And then the assistants are taking over and then the assistants of the assistants are taking over. And there's nothing wrong with that either. As long as there is a system in place that keeps the quality of, you know, of the, the, the teaching, you know, and unfortunately in a lot of schools, and I see that many times, um, it, it's gone, you know, Taekwondo, remember it 30 years ago. I mean, it was a, a hardcore system. Now when I'm looking at a lot of schools, I'm thinking to myself, how do you give a black belt to a seven-year-old Yes. in two years, three yes. years? How, how is that possible? And I'm looking at them and they, they can throw a punch. They can throw a kick. They, they can defend themselves. I mean, it's like, what's the purpose of that? What's, what's a black belt means? You know? Yeah, it definitely hurts the other martial arts too, because then you have this Taekwondo mm -hmm. watered down version, right? That's mm -hmm. someone who got a black belt in six months. And then you have other people, like the people in Jiu Jitsu and, and, and a person like yourself who's trained many, many years yep. to, to, to get to where they got. And, and then you have this walking around next to you that it's not the same thing, you know? Yep. And it's not, and it, and to the, uh, regular layperson, they see this and they think it is, mm -hmm. and then they associate you instead of associating the little kid to what you're mm -hmm. doing. They associate yep. you to the little kid, and yep. uh, one of the problems that I've um and, and and I've 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 seen this, but I've talked to other instructors, and and I've heard other people tell me this this thing where it's just like they go to like a coffee shop or something. You know, in one of the other episodes, so, uh, a friend of mine goes to the coffee shop and he, you know, he goes to get coffee and the guy at the desk is like, yeah, you know, and yeah. he's like, he's like, what the fuck, man? I could kill you. You know, <laughs> I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not a 10 year old Taekwondo guy. I'm a black yeah. belt jiu-jitsu, you know, and it's, yeah. but um, one of the things I wanted to kind of really talk about was what you say in terms of the, uh, the, the effectiveness of techniques because uh and, and i think the best way to kind of get through the effectiveness and and of techniques especially with what you mentioned skills the skill under stress yeah. would be the way to kind of weed out shit that doesn't work you know mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. uh and and it's easy to kind of do that kind of stuff with jujitsu right because jujitsu you can go hardcore it's just grappling there's no guns there, there's no mm -hmm. punching, there's no knives, there's no uh, all these other more dangerous mm -hmm. just groin strikes. There's none of these other things that are dangerous uh, mm -hmm. that, that you can, but you can do it under stress, right? Yeah. The problem even then, though, is there are moves that you can get away with, even in competition, that probably wouldn't work in real life in mm -hmm. a real scenario, like beating Polo, for example. Yep. You turn yourself upside down. In a self-defense situation, 
that shit right. ain't gonna work. You're gonna get punched in the face, you know. Right. Um, you know, my opinion. This is my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen the evolution of sport. And you know, I I love jujitsu such a big part of my life, and I, I train regularly, and I love it so much, so dear to me. Um, you know when you start implementing certain rules and the rules that have a specific purpose and the purpose is to make the competition safer so you can get the athletes at high level and you see jiu-jitsu evolve tremendously now there is people who are training you know the gi and no gi uh mentality and um i'm sure everybody has an opinion about that you know like anything else yeah uh it's again what's the purpose what are you trying to accomplish and if you want to accomplish your goal is to be a very good jiu-jitsu athlete and 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 fighter those rules and regulation and it's very important right because that's how you can get gold medal and go to the world championships and so forth but now if you say okay but i want to learn jiu-jitsu just so i can defend myself okay but that's a different goal that's a whole different goal. So now certain things, just like you mentioned, certain techniques might not work in the street. So it all depends on what's the goal behind it. I think in people's mind, a lot of people are going to a martial art gym. They don't have a specific goal. And a year mm-hmm. later, their goal changed. They might start with, I just want to learn to defend myself. And a year later, they build the confidence. They say, man, you know what? I want to compete into this type of tournament or that type of tournament. And then their goal goes toward that direction. And there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. It all depends on what is the goal. Mm-hmm. What is the goal? And, uh, you know, now it's a big push toward the no-gi and uh, combat jiu-jitsu. Now they added a little bit of strikes to make it more realistic. So, you know, I mean, it all depends on, you know, what's the goal. That's my opinion, you know. Uh, to me, I love them all. I love the no gi. I love the gi. I love the. Unfortunately, I don't train that much gi. Mm-hmm. Um, now you say, okay, sole defense aspect. Okay, now you have to put everything that works that, that works in the street. Now you have to think, okay, this guy might poke me in the eyes. This guy might elbow me in the face. This guy might pull a knife on me, and then the training has to go toward that. Yeah, because otherwise it's like. Okay, we're kind of training, but not really training. You know what I mean? So it defies the purpose. So it's, again, uh, we do, for example, in our advanced classes, in the Krav Maga classes, we do a lot of grappling with a knife. So meaning I let them start, and then once in a while I toss the knife in between them. And now they have to learn to fight for that knife. And that also helps in a very safe manner that helps them with a better understanding of grips better control the posture and so forth. So it helps them from a fighting perspective, but also from a self-defense perspective. And, you know, it's also, you know, literally testing their skill. Yeah. You know, it, it changes the perspective all of a sudden. You know what I mean? Just by adding that plastic knife there. You know what I mean? So there was there was this awesome um, video on Instagram with Tim Kennedy fighting a, um, um, a screamer uh, specialist. And the Eskrima specialist, I believe, had the had this electronic knife. Yep. And they were going at it, and it it really changes 
the mm-hmm. way you approach the situation. And and Tim Kennedy, he was like, yeah, you know, I got I got poked here and I felt it because I guess the yeah. knife when it touches you. I've never seen this before, by the way. Yeah. I've never seen this yeah. kind of thing, this kind of training. But this this tool that they were using, it it was shaped like a knife and it had like. Uh, electricity running through it so whenever yes. the person got touched with with the blade you feel it you yep. you, you get a shock and i was just like yep. holy shit you know yep. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it really kind of changed uh, the, the we dynamic. need one of those we need for one of those for when we do podcasts for the podcast for the podcast i might I, I might just uh, buy like, one and then give it to my son so that he can walk around the house with it and, and just keep yeah. me on my guard. <laughs> yeah. Or you could have it for when you're introducing the podcast to make sure that I say my thing. When I'm supposed to say it. You know, it's bad if you get like, uh, you know how the collar, the, the, the dogs, they have that e-collar. Uh-huh. If you have one of those, you know, maybe around the ankle and with a, just, <laughs> you can't say that. Oh, no problem. Yeah. You know, maybe my wife, I hope she's not listening to this one. Uh, maybe my wife should get one of those when I teach class and I say things that, you know, they're not uh, the right way. Just yeah, say- that's, that's how you learn. Yeah. You're yeah. not supposed to Very say that. Pavlovian. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> well, this is an interesting point, though, because it's, I think actually there are a lot of people out there who don't even think about martial arts as like a self-defense thing people do mm-hmm. it for as a hobby per se yeah or they do it to compete they do it because they want to fight you know they want to mm-hmm. i don't mean like they want to go out and kick some ass like they yeah. want to com- fight competitively yeah yep but there's a huge number of people who get into this for reasons of self-defense yeah it's it's kind of easy to forget that it's easy to to think of to get caught in a mode of thinking about these things in terms of being sports mm-hmm. because they are, you know? Yep. I think, I think the, um, regardless of whether you train uh, for self-defense or for sports, the skill under stress principle, regardless of, of how you train will, will prove your, your skills. So like you can still be a boxer and still defend yourself. Yep. It's better Absolutely. than that. It's better than right. not knowing anything, you know? Yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, my opinion is this. Again, going back to the boxing, for example, right? If you look at any confrontation in the real situation, when they start, most likely it's going to be some kind of attack using their hands. So now if you have at least a boxing skill, you can at least avoid the punch. You can avoid the getting stabbed. You can throw a punch efficiently so is it better than absolutely absolutely and the fact that what makes boxing so special in my opinion is there are not that many techniques right it's a straight punch a hook an uppercut right that's pretty much it it's the strategy behind that it's footwork it's timing it's testing them under skill under stress right it's literally getting into the ring after a certain time you know you have six months eight months of training now you got to spar because otherwise you're never going to get better. And exactly. so is with jiu-jitsu. You learn up to a certain point, three months, four months, okay, basic. But in the end, you got to get in the water with different opponents and see how it works. And that makes a person better because once you understand, it doesn't matter what kind of sport, once you understand how you're going to react when you get punched in the face, when you get smashed by a heavier guy, yeah. when you get submitted, when and so forth. Once you understand how you feel about it, and sometimes 
it just hurts your ego, right? Sometimes it hurts more than your ego. You get punched and you look at the scar, uh, the, stif- uh, uh, the stars for a couple of minutes and you don't know what's going on. Uh, it's a little bit more than just the ego, right? But nonetheless, most of the time it's just the ego. And if you can overcome that and you get better and you get better and you get better, that's how you improve, you know? Oh, man. This reminds me of the first time uh, I, st- I, I started sparring. Like I, I went and got myself some really nice little gloves. Uh, at some at some little uh like flea market right but they were they were really nice gloves they were laces and they were like a mexican style glove mm-hmm. and uh, i paid like 100 bucks for them and uh i i i was so excited i get to the gym right you know i've only been at this gym i don't know a few weeks right or maybe a couple months i don't know and there's this like i and i was a big kid so i had to have been like 180 pounds there was this kid walking around he was 140 pounds maybe 135 but had been boxing since he was five right mm-hmm. also he's like recently out of like the golden gloves or whatever and so i was hanging out with my stupid gloves hitting the bag whatever and he's like you want to spar and i'm like yeah sure thinking that you know i've been here two months i must be an expert right yeah. <laughs> and he punches me in the face so damn hard first of all he was only 140 pounds 40 pounds he almost knocked the shit out of me he almost knocked me out and he yeah. hit as hard as he could, the fucking asshole, right? Mm-hmm. Um, knowing that I didn't know anything, right? He was being a, a dick, but yeah. Uh, but I got so mad. Mm-hmm. I was he hit me in the face. Oh right. And you're right about this ego thing. I remember this now. It was just yeah. like I I was so offended. <laughs> yeah. My feelings he hurt. He hurt my feelings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And it was so crazy because I was just and and it's and it's something you get over right because uh, you know mm-hmm. a year later, I'm getting punched in the face on the regular by my friends and these are all yep. my close friends yeah. <laughs> all the time. Hey, can we do that? <laughs> Yeah. You first. I've never punched you in the face. Well, it's yeah, never but, happened. But it's a mutual thing. I hope you understand that. Yeah, it goes both ways. It goes both ways. Let me let me weigh that. Let me weigh that. <laughs> we could be we could be those kind of friends. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you see that. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't I like that one. That. <laughs> but yeah, no, there is a huge ego part of that, right? I mean, and yeah. especially when it comes to training, you gotta kind of leave all that crap aside and it's one of the hardest parts, you know, the traditional martial arts long time ago, humility in training was the most important thing because once you get over that ego, once you expect that you're going to lose, you're going to, you know, make mistakes and you learn from it. Once you're going over that, it's so much easier for you to learn. You know, I always think about myself as being a good student. I'm never teaching. I'm never thinking that I know it all. I'm never thinking I will not train. And I train in, in my gym with all the other instructors. And I'm I'm a student. Mm-hmm. I like to be a student to learn. And whatever they tell me to do, I do it. And that's how I get better. Because mm-hmm. I feel that if we don't eat that humble pie once in a while, you're never gonna get better. You know. And unfortunately, oh, yeah. as you yeah. get older. You know, as you get older, your body's, you know, less athletic, more in, prone to injuries, harder to recover and so forth. And you, you got to keep that uh, always student mentality, you know, in my, at least in my opinion. 
No, you're absolutely oh. right. And I think well, that's with anything. That's yeah. that's not just mm-hmm. martial arts. That yep. no matter what you do, the way you get better is fail. Mm-hmm. You fail yep. enough times until you learn how to not fail. And then yep. you fail at the next thing enough times until you learn how to not fail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how you get better at everything. Yep. And there's even those instances where you're like, okay, well, I'm, you know, I've mastered a certain set of techniques or things i'm really good at this path of doing whatever right and then uh somebody comes along they may not be as experienced as you but you know they caught you on a good day or a good mm-hmm. day for them a bad day for you yep. yeah and and once again you eat humble pie and just like that shouldn't have happened you know but yeah. it happened and it could yep. be again it could be because of ego it could be because of you, you weren't careful you know or, you know it it doesn't matter how good you are you know, sometimes there's you always have somebody a bad better. Day. Yes. Yeah, there's always someone better. Sometimes you're just having a bad day. Sometimes mm-hmm. yep. you're just off. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it, again, this isn't just martial arts. This is everything. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Sometimes yep. you just, you're not going to win sometimes. That's and how, it's how it happens. And it's very important to have some humility, right? Because eventually yep. in those moments, yeah. Otherwise you break. Well, not only if you start, if you start getting high on your own supply, (laughs) when, when all of a sudden (laughs) shit goes south, you can't recover from that, you know? Yeah. Well, there's that. And then there's, there's like, you look like a fool when you're overly overly confident. Right. And then somebody makes you eat humble pie. Right. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. Or or more often than not, you make yourself eat humble pie. Yeah. Yeah. Put yourself into this situation. (laughs) I remember a story when I was uh, 18 and I opened up my first uh, um, martial arts school back in Romania. So at that time, there were not too many martial arts schools, right? So, um, you know, at 18, I was competing, you know, at the highest level. And I started teaching two classes, beginners and advanced. And I couldn't understand. I'm like, now, why is these people cannot do what I do? I couldn't comprehend because at eight, I was eight years old kid, you know? So one day it was, you know, we were renting a um, high school gym, right? So you know how high school gyms are they're pretty big, but you know, they're still limited in, in the space that you can use. So one day I'm thinking to myself, man, there are too many people in the class. There were like 70 people in the class, right? <laughs> so I think to myself, you know what we're going to do? Full contact spotting. Everybody against everybody. In my mind, <laughs> I'm thinking I'm going to weed out the weak one. Some people are going to get beat up and they go home, right? Yeah. So I used to turn off the light and beat the crap of whoever was in the front of me, right? Oh. <laughs> so first time was like that. And then turn on the light and I'm like, okay, let's see what's going on. There were more people coming back again next time. Oh, and I'm wow. thinking to myself, man, what, what the heck? Because it was that mentality at that time that, you know, the mentality in the Eastern European block is the sports at that time were sink or swim. It's either you become a champion or you get the hell out, basically, right? So people thought, man, this is the greatest training ever, you know? <laughs> and then after like two or three times, I'm like, man, this thing doesn't work. So I'm like, I stopped doing it, you know? <laughs> But going back to that, it was like, it was very interesting to see how people's mentality was. And at 18 years old, I made all the mistakes that you can make as a teacher. It was hard on them. Uh, I didn't know how to approach people who are not as talented. Mm -hmm. And that's a mistake also. 
I learned from that also, you know. So I was always trying to learn from my mistakes. Looking back, I'm thinking to myself, holy cow, that's the stupidest idea ever, you know. <laughs> but at 18, I guess, I thought it's fantastic, you know. Well, so, yeah. 18, man. I remember, like, walking in the gym, you know, and, and seeing, seeing people struggle with jumping jacks. And mm -hmm. I'm like, look at these guys. Just do yep. the fucking jumping jack. Just do the yep. push up. What's wrong with you? Right? Yep. Now, 47 year or 46 year old Edgar trying to do push ups, trying to do jumping jacks. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is hard. Yeah. <laughs> I can understand it now. Yeah, yep. I can understand it now. Yeah. Okay. I, I get it, man. <laughs> you know? yep. I feel bad that I ever, ever even judge somebody. That's exactly right. Yeah. When they were doing it, I should have been like, you go, man. You're, you're a badass for trying this and for being. You know, here. the fact that they're trying, man, I'm telling you, and I've seen that many years later, you know. The biggest accomplishing, accomplishment for people, it's so hard for anybody. To, I mean, this isn't anything, business, life, uh, martial art, doesn't matter. You know, you have so many doubts and so much fear in your mind that I don't want to start. And you want to start, but I don't want to start. And, you know, and once you start, the first step is hard and the second it's a little bit easier and then a little bit easier and then you get into a routine and it's easier. You know, mm -hmm. we were talking about the, the COVID in the beginning and, you know, I have great, great people at my school that they stopped training during COVID. And some of them, they came back when we, when we reopened in June 15 last year, right? Mm -hmm. And you could see those couple of months and we were doing training through Zoom and stuff like that, but it's not the same thing, it's not right? And you can see they lost so much skill. Sure. Right. And then you see people who came a year later and you see their body breaks down in the first month, injuries and, and their back hurts, the knee hurts, the hip hurts because your body gets out of shape so easily, you know, and it's so hard thinking that you had a specific skill and now you're coming back and you're starting from almost zero, you know, yeah. it's so hard mm. mentally which is why I appreciate people who are starting and they're like 50 years old or 55 years old and they're starting something because it is so hard and they, they can be yeah. a very successful person in their daily life. And all of a sudden they go to a gym where they have no skill and some bald guy with a big beard is yelling at them and things like that. <laughs> so it's like, it's really understandable, you know, how, how much courage they need. And also for beginners, you know, a lot of people, they associate martial arts with, they go there and somebody's going to beat them up, Yeah. you know? So it's, you know, as you know, it's much more than that. It's a community. It's, you know, people, they try to help you, to build you up and so forth. You know what I mean? But coming from outside, you're like, man, am I going to go there and someone's going to slam me and, and knock me out? Right? So that is that perception. Yeah, you know? there's, it takes so much courage to jump mm -hmm. into a gym, right? To come into a yeah. gym the first day. Cause you don't know you, especially from the outside, right? You don't know what mm -hmm. you're getting yeah. into. Yeah. Going into a gym or, or whatever it may be like yeah. that yep. getting the identify so clearly with that. The hardest thing is starting yep. whatever starting. you're doing. Yep. The hardest thing is doing it the first time, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm sure they, they yeah. think that they're, they're walking into like the Cobra Kai, you know? Yeah. And, and, yeah. They have, and you know, Man, I wish, I wish that when I was like 18 or 19, I had the same kind of courage that I have now. 
mm-hmm. at like 42 because there are so many things that I would have been like, cause, cause like now, yeah, my body's a mess and you know, it like it, everything hurts all the time and it's a lot easier to get injured, but it's like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> it's like, like what you want to do that? Yeah, let's do that. Let's jump off some shit, whatever. I don't care. Let's do it. <laughs> and when I was like 18 or 19, like I was, I was a lot more intimidated by certain things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, it's backwards because that's when I shouldn't have been it. That's when, like, that's when I was indestructible, you know, yeah. that's when I shouldn't have been afraid of things. Oh, if we wouldn't, if we, but now that yeah. you know, I still used to do crazy, stupid things when I was 18 or 19, just, you know, not we all homicidal did. things like yeah. Rob Maga. <laughs> <Yeah. you know. laughs> so, um, uh, I wanted to ask you about if you ever heard of the dog brothers. Yes. Okay. Yes. So what do you, like, I have a friend who, who practices with the dog brothers mm-hmm. and I find that very interesting and uh, applicable but like what do, what are your thoughts of of their system i love their their concept so the concept um from looking from outside um uh-huh. i think it's a great concept um their goal is obviously to improve their fighting skill with a weapon and a most weapon. of the time from what i've seen it's uh, using the stick so they want to bring that skill level to a, to a much higher level mm-hmm. and they want to test something. And my opinion in like anything else, the only way to test yourself is through either some kind of competition or some kind of, you know, some kind of stress drill, yeah. you know, where you actually get punched in the face or get the stick in the head and stuff like that. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think the concept is very, very good. I, mm-hmm. I, I actually like that their idea a lot. Yeah. I, um, I feel like from a safety perspective, they're not going to have a lot of uh, a lot yeah. of participants. Yeah, I don't think your liability insurance would cover you. Yeah, so I think that that's an issue. You know, you, it, it really requires a certain type of person to do that kind of skill. You know. Yeah. So my yeah. my I, I love my friend, but he he's a little nuts. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, so, it's. Yeah. It, it's uh, I I was that was gonna be my point, and I'm glad you said that first because um, I agree, I, I I agree with all the other points that you're saying. I think um, the 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 testing of it because they're doing everything. Like my friend was on the show and he described one of the events, and mm-hmm. they they they've fought like with chains, they fought with all kinds of blunt objects, like all kinds yep. of crazy stuff, you know, and. Um, and it's amazing. Like I guess somebody uh, somebody showed up with a three three uh, sectional staff and all mm-hmm. kinds of crazy stuff. Chairs, Lord knows what else. Yeah, trident, tridents. You know, trident. Nothing, yeah. I don't think they fight with anything sharp. They all they're all pretty <laughs> blunt right. objects, right? Because they don't want to actually kill anybody. Crowbar. Yeah. yeah, they're bag of broken glass. They, I, I think. I gotta remember. I, I'm not gonna say because I don't know. I don't know what they actually uh, use, but they're like if you go to lep- the episode, they, he goes through a bunch of like things that they use, mm-hmm. and it's all kinds of crazy shit. You know, like yeah. you know, bag of bricks, all kinds of crap. But um, but uh, <laughs> basically, what- bag of bricks. <laughs> yeah, like basically whatever you can hold and swing at someone is is what they were trying, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like that part of it, the the experimentation part of it, and, and the experience building, right? Um. But I, I don't know how 
Like you're saying how safe it is. Right. It's inherently unsafe. So, <laughs> it's completely unsafe. It's completely, there's no safety. No, yeah, because so. uh, they, they do have a mask and they wear yeah. some. Oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least, you know, the face looks good at the end. Yeah. Well, I mean, like one guy, I guess they were fighting. I can't remember what, how the story went, but like a friend of like the, they were, my friend was fighting with this guy and he had a chain. And when he went and hit him with the chain, the chain whipped around his head and and cut the guy on the back someplace where the mask meets the the the, the, mm-hmm. the yep, yep, yep. harness part of the thing. And I was just like, holy shit. And he I guess when he took off the mask, dude was just gushing blood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so scal- scalp wounds will do that. I don't yeah. know if you've, if you've never had a scalp <laughs> yeah. wound before. Oh my God. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> See, the thing is in anything. The only way to get better is to consistently train. Yes. And also, if you're competing, consistently compete. But if you get hurt every time you compete and you can't train the next two months, uh, your skill will never get. So uh, my opinion is, I mean, that's a great concept as long as you can make it safe, you know? Yeah. Because if you cannot make it safe, I mean, listen, we all been doing, uh, you know, in my life, I did some tournaments that there were no gloves and we're going at each other's and things like that. But uh, you don't get better doing that kind of hey. tournament. You get better in a tournament that's a sanctioned tournament where the safety is still important, which is why UFC exploded so much in the last 15 years, so to speak, because they made it in a sport. So yeah. when it's coming about sport, now all of a sudden you have rules, you have time limit, you have weight class, you have men against men, female against female. You know, there is certain things that keeps this, the athletes safer. Yes. You know, and now all of a sudden it's not the brawl in the parking lot. Now all of a sudden it's a sanctioned event where actually the athletes can get back to their life the next day. And right. of course, there's never a safe fight. There's always uh, certain injuries that will always occur, right? It is what it is. You take that risk, but it's in a safer type of environment, right? Yeah. And that's how you get better. That's how you see the quality of the fighters in the last 15 years, 20 years, improve tremendously. Yes. So now you have athletes, not just some dudes duking it out, you know, after a night of drinking. Yeah. but oh, it, yeah but it becomes what you're saying a sport it, it, and it sport. and it takes right and it takes away the kind some of, of the some of the danger some of the self-defense yep. aspect yeah. of, of of what yeah. we're trying to trying to accomplish here it, it, assuming yeah, this, this is like an important thing that and, and it's like like i've known plenty of people who have gone who've decided like oh, i'm gonna go you know i'm, I'm gonna kickbox or i'm gonna i'm i'm gonna start doing MMA. Like I'm going to fight, you know, Mm -hmm. and they have this really warped. And a lot of it has to do with old Kung Fu movies. Yeah. Where it's like you got those training montages where it's like the way that you learn is you get injured, (laughs) you know, you get injured over and over and over again. And that's how you get better. Yeah. And it's like, no, actually, if you are consistently getting injured, that's the opposite of getting better. That's the opposite. You're you're getting, you're not getting stronger. You're getting weaker. (laughs) You know, mm-hmm. yeah, but Kung Fu is not, that's not is how it way. works. Like, like, no, it, it don't don't go <laughs> and shatter your shins against a bamboo tree. You know, that's, that's not going to make you better. 
you know? I'm going to disagree with that. I'm going to tell you why. Because actually that uh, drill hitting the bamboo tree, it's actually really beneficial. That's actually, I, I'm standing behind that one. Because the bamboo <laughs> tree, it's actually, yeah. Uh, the bamboo tree, actually, it's a little bit softer. So allows you to condition in a longer time. So now when I used to condition my, uh, my shins, we didn't know, we didn't have bamboo trees. So we used to go to a soccer um, field and they had those, uh, like those ball bar and it was, we were kicking the, the, the metal pole and we thought it was the greatest thing ever, you <laughs> know, and insanity. in the beginning it's not too much fun. And then you're uh-huh. conditioning and, you know, but uh, the bamboo tree, actually, it's a much better version. Oh, sure. I was just talking about specifically in the training montage for blood mm-hmm. sport. <laughs> yeah. Where Jean-Claude yeah. kicks the bamboo tree literally until his, his, his shins are just shredded and bloody. And like, yeah, that's that's how you get better. You, you not, bloody yourself. Not to you display know? how big a nerd I am, but that's actually kickboxer, not blood sport. Because blood whatever sport. they're they're <laughs> ultimately the same movie. No, two move two years apart. They're, they're very different. similar. You know, speaking <laughs> of the the blood sport, you know the guy they made the movie right, uh, Frank Frank Dukes. Dukes. Oh yeah, that guy. So when I was at the the when I was inducting the martial arts hall of fame, he was at my table. Oh, the get guy, out of here! It's funny as hell. Now there is a school of thought. He's a big guy, big guy, great guy. He's older now. He's like, I would say mid-60s, early 60s. So there's a school of thought that a lot of things that they, he's been talking about is kind of a bullshit. Uh-huh. I don't know, but I like the guy. And yeah. I love the blood, the Bloodsport movie. Yeah. So I don't know if it's a legend, all that, that they were writing at the end or not. Uh, I don't know how many committees he was, they were saying there that at the end. And to be honest, that's one of those legends that I want to believe. Yes. You know? <laughs> yes. Yes. I want to believe in this and Bigfoot and the Loch Ness monster. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I, yep. I, I don't care. And you Show definitely want to believe in aliens. And yeah. I definitely want to believe in aliens. And that's and, right. And that I'm in a simulation. So don't ruin that's it for right. me, Dan. Nope. <laughs> don't worry about me, man. <laughs> don't ruin it for me. Don't tell me that stuff doesn't exist because I'm going to believe anyway. But no, I. Bloodsport and Kickboxer, those are the movies that made me get into martial arts. I mean, and of course, Bruce Lee. You know? I remember watching them and going in the basement and training. And it was like, that's, and Rocky. Rocky also. That's oh, Rocky. Movie. Oh, what, what yeah. great movie. So, I loved Balboa, man. Balboa, I was, I was a mess. I was like, <laughs> you know, yep. when he was talking to his son and was telling him, oh, that's the best quote. Yeah. And yeah. I, I hate to admit it, but that's, you know, when I was a kid, that's why I did Taekwondo was, was not, not any of those movies. I loved those movies, uh-huh. but the karate kid, <laughs> and like, there, there was, there was no karate school in my neighborhood, but there was a Taekwondo school. Uh-huh. So I, started, yep. I did Taekwondo for like three years and, uh, and it was cause like, I mean, my name was Daniel. Everybody called me Daniel Son. <laughs> oh man, that was fantastic <laughs> for years, for years. <laughs> oh, that's... Daniel Son, or I was Danny Zuko from Greece, one or the other. But uh, you know. well, Daniel Son is so much better. You know, much better, much better, yeah. much tougher. The funny thing is, I hated that kid. You hated like, even, Ralph even when I was a kid, and I went to see like I, I went to see that movie because uh-huh. the whole world went to see that movie. Mm-hmm. 
I went to see that movie and I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't like this kid. And actually, I kind of like seeing him get beaten up. <laughs> well, if you think about that, you know, he was the bully in the film. Yes. Right. He's the one that constantly is pushing the other guy around and messing with him. And, you know, and it's like, well, listen, bro, if, if I was in the other guy's shoes, I would punch in the face, too. You know, yeah. it's, you know, so. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Like, he wasn't it, like a like, nice oh, guy. Man, he's such a great guy, right? Yeah, he wasn't then, like a nice guy. He was he was like a mm-hmm. like a Brooklyn loudmouth, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. And that's kind of like what the basis of the new Cobra Kai series. Have you seen that? It's, yeah, not yet. But I, everybody's talking me talking to me about that. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm planning to watch it. Yeah, well, it's based on that 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 concept Part of that what you talk like yeah. they 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 put up that perspective a lot. Yeah. That yeah, he and wasn't exactly the nicest kid, and he wasn't. No, no, he wasn't. And, and and yeah, and and in the show, like the other guy, uh, Johnny Johnny Lawrence, is actually kind of like the hero of the story. I don't mm-hmm. know if I would go that far. Well, he's the protagonist. You know, he's he's yeah. The, he's he's not an antagonist. No, yeah. he's he's the main character that experiences some kind of change. So, but anyway, yeah, uh, I, w- I would definitely would say like the show is more about him, yeah, than it is yeah. about anyway. Anyway, yeah. So, off topic. Off topic. You know, one like, thing I'm curious about with with Krav Maga. Actually, I have two questions about sure. specific Krav Maga. Are it, with Krav Maga? Do you have like? Is there leveling? Do you have like belts? Yes. Are there, yes. you know, because I, yeah, I we do no have idea. levels and uh, we don't wear belts. So mm-hmm. we wear, you know, t shirt and uh, pants. Um, but there is levels. And the reason being, like we talked about um, in the beginning, because you have beginners coming in the class and they really have to learn fundamentals, right? But even from the first time in the class, we still, test them under stress. So the techniques that they learn in every class, they will do stress real, they, they, they will test that skill that they learn, whatever that skill might be. Um, so in Krav Maga, there is three aspects that, that we work on. So the first is obviously the self-defense aspect. You know, a lot of times I'm asking people what they think, what is self-defense and what is fighting? And I always ask this question in the class and I get all kinds of answers. So in our system, we work both aspects, the self-defense and the fighting, because one goes hand-to-hand with the other one. And in my opinion, self-defense is the scenario where one party, usually called the victim, is attacked by the other party, usually called the attacker. And the victim doesn't know if they get attacked, when they get attacked, who's the attacker, what kind of attack, how many attackers, if there is a weapon involved, and so forth. So that is what I call the self-defense scenario. Fight scenario is, in my opinion, the scenario where all the parties involved, they are aware of what's happening. And that can be one against one fighting, that can be 20 against 30 fighting, and so forth. But everybody involved know what's going on, and everybody goes at it. Now, rules or no rules, that's relevant. So self-defense scenario can become a fight, which is why it's very important for us that we work on both aspects. Now, the fighting aspect is not very popular among beginners. Why? Because that's the time when you get punched in the face. That's the time when you get taken down. 
That's a time where people try to submit you when you're on the ground. They try to punch you when you're up. So this is a part where it's not as fun, right? But it's just as important as the self-defense aspect. So um, a lot of times people, when they go to martial arts school and they say, I just want to learn to defend myself. They think that you learn some magic technique that, you know, you're going to poke somebody in the eyes and it's a magic pill that you take in one class and done, that's it. But the reality is you got to experience both aspects because otherwise you're not going to understand either one of them. You know what I mean? So I, I highly, I highly believe that both skills are just as important. Mm. So that's, that's one thing. And the next thing is the mindset. Without the mindset, without that awareness of your surroundings, without, I always tell people, it doesn't matter how strong you are, how skilled you are, if you have a weapon on you all the time. If you lie down unconscious or dead because you haven't seen the attacker coming from behind and the guy knocks you out with a beer bottle or with a baseball bat, your skill and your weapon and your strength, it's irrelevant. So developing the mindset, it's just as important. And mindset, it means awareness of your surroundings, faster reaction to certain circumstances, making the right decision in a, under certain circumstances. And when you find yourself mentally overwhelmed by fear, by pain and so forth, learning to fight back, learning not to give up, that combat mindset that it's not an easy thing to develop, you know? But without that, all the other two aspects are irrelevant. Mm. So that's that's our approach. I think that mindset part is huge. It's, it's I mean, the awareness, uh, being aggressive, being, being able mm -hmm. to kind of react and being able to make the right decision under pressure, that is... I think that's that's key not only for martial arts but like for a lot of situations you know if yep. you're if you're having a meeting and you're talking to a bunch of people at a table and you're mm -hmm. presenting something and someone asks you a question and you fold it's yep. you know because you don't have the answer or you're you weren't prepared or whatever yep. you know being able to say hey you know what um I don't know, but I'll get right back to you on that after the meeting. Or does anybody else in the meeting have some answer? Like to be able to kind of correctly respond so that you don't look like an idiot is, yep. is, is huge. But like it, it, it's applicable in all kind of scenarios, just like I just demonstrated here. But also like, again, in, yep. in, in, in high stakes situations like self-defense, you know, it, mm -hmm. it's, it's so important to be able to think on your feet. It, it's yep. It's so important, but aggressiveness, I think, is another part that you kind of uh, alluded to. Like you can you can fight, but if you're not you're not going 100 percent or 300 percent, mm -hmm. you know, especially in a situation like self defense, you're done so anyway, right? Yeah. Yep. Right. Um, I wanted to talk about the active shooter scenario. Like, yep. um, I, I I don't expect you to have all the answers because i mean this is still kind of relatively a new phenomenon right and people are still trying mm -hmm. to figure out stuff but you know a lot of the kind of the things that are being kicked around are like you know you have the three things you run if you can't run you hide if you can't hide mm -hmm. you fight right yep is what would you kind of introduce to kind of maybe even to even 
stop the active shooter from happening? Like, what, mm-hmm. what are your ideas around the active shooter scenario? So let's take a couple of scenarios. So first of all, when it's coming about any active shooter, so active shooter is a scenario where one or multiple attackers are coming into a specific location and they start opening fire into either the people who are there, like, for example, a gang shooting, right? Mm-hmm. Or indiscriminately, like, whoever is inside, we're going to shoot everybody, right? Okay. So when it's coming about that, now let's take two scenarios. Now the unarmed scenario, meaning the victims or the people inside the location are not armed. And this is more of the most common thing, right? Okay. So now what are the options for people who are inside? And the most common things are the three things that you mentioned. Run, hide, fight, right? So what does that mean? And this is when the awareness is coming to the picture. Number one, anytime, and I test my students all the time with this kind of uh, scenarios. So what I do is this. I always ask my students, how many of you, when you walk into a new environment, doesn't matter if it's a restaurant, doesn't matter if it's a movie theater, how many of you look to see where's the exit door? And you see some people do, some people don't. And then I ask them, how many of you are looking to see who's into that environment, in that restaurant, in that. So recognizing the threat before things happen. And now the next thing is, how many of you look to see what can I use as a weapon if something happens? So now you are going to the next stage, which is, okay, things happened. Now what? What's my option? And let's talk about run. Okay, run. What do I run? If there is, if I have no clue where the exit doors are, or I don't know where the shooter is, now I have trouble with that. So identifying the threat, mm-hmm. it's very important. Okay. If you remember the shooting in Aurora, where uh, the guy dressed like the Joker went into the movie theater and exit through the to the back door, went to his car, took his gear, went inside through the smoke bomb, and then everybody who was um, running toward the exit door, he was literally shooting them. Right? Jesus Christ. And uh, at one point, you know, he literally shot even people who were hiding and so forth. Now, they were survivors. They were victims. What makes the difference in that case? So number one, it's awareness of your surroundings. Understanding if something bad happened, what are your options? And your option can be hide. I'm hiding, okay, for how long? Because if I stay there forever and the guy is just going uh, every five five feet and just shooting people who are hiding, then hiding part is irrelevant. So hide until I have the opportunity to improve my position. And improve my position can be run toward the exit or going hands-on. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, you know what I mean? So there is no one size fits all. Wow. Now, the next st- stage is hide. What do I hide? There is two types of uh, places. Places that conceal your body or they cover. Concealment or cover, right? What does that mean? Concealment hide me from the attacker so he cannot see me. But that concealment doesn't stop a bullet. 
So now I have to find a place that actually covered me, that something that stopped the bullet. And now you, you have to look into the environment. What are those places, right? Yeah. Because you can jump behind a, a front desk or a table in a restaurant and say, oh yeah, I'm safe now because obviously that table doesn't stop the bullet. So understanding that also now all of a sudden your chances increase, right? And then goes to the next stages, fight. Okay, but now you're going to say, well, most of the people have no skill. Okay, so what are their options? Improvise weapon. Grab something that can increase your chances. And that something can be, I don't know, some, we, we categorize the improvised weapon in three types of category. Rock-like object, mm -hmm. something that I can throw it in space, and that can be obviously a rock, that can be uh, your cell phone, that can be a hot cup of coffee, that can be spit, that you spit in his face, and then maybe you kick him in the groin to run away. Something that you can throw at him, right? The second object, it's shield-like object. Something that I can use to block his attack. And that can be a chair, that can be a backpack, that can be a laptop, that can be your belt, that can be your jacket, a foliar jacket that uh, allows you to block his uh, initial attack and then do something. And the third one, it's a stick-like object, right? That can be obviously a stick, an umbrella, a crowbar, and so forth, right? So those are things that now all of a sudden your chances increase tremendously. Mm -hmm. Now, the thing that we see a lot during classes is people under stress, and this is even people who are trained, people under stress, they freeze. So they go into that deer in the headlights mentality, right? Yeah. It's like something yeah. happened, right? And a lot of times the brain cannot comprehend the violence that's coming toward that. Right, people seeing other people getting killed in front of them, and their brain cannot comprehend that. Yeah, right. Doesn't accept that reality. Okay, and that's when you go into a freeze mode, and that's obviously your chances now decrease tremendously. So all these things, unless you practice them, unless you put people through scenarios, and we went to uh, a couple of. Uh, corporation and we did this kind of drills with them and you see in the beginning of the class they were like literally clueless clueless and in the end they were much better but if you don't consistently practice that most of the people they are just you know clueless unfortunately you know so talking about these three things that you can do it's a great thing but unless you actually let me see how i'm going to do after in, in this kind of scenario how am I going to react if right now I pull the gun? And what I do in my classes, while they are doing the class, I once in a while I say, listen, if at any time you see somebody draw a gun, I want you to yell gun, grab your partner, run out the door. And you see them in the beginning, they are like, uh, what's going on? Yeah. And they get better and better and better and better, you know? So it's a skill like anything else. But it starts, and that's why I'm stressing people out a lot, it started with an awareness. Number one, awareness of your surroundings. Awareness of what is my environment? What's going on in my environment? Where's the exit door? 
where can I run if I have to run? And sometimes I cannot run to the door, but I can run to the window. So that can be an option. Now the next thing is, okay, make a plan. What if this thing happened? What do I do now? Now I have a plan. Now all of a sudden, if God forbid that happened, now my chances increase tremendously, mm-hmm. you know? And the next thing is, I'm always telling people, it's me personally, I always train because I always think, what if at some point in my life, I have to save somebody dear to me or somebody who's probably, you know, a stranger, but I can save his life, mm-hmm. you know, meaning I want to be able to do something. And that something can be yell at them, gone, 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 grab mm-hmm. it. Let's run toward the exit. Because again, people, most of the people, they are what? They freeze. They're like mm-hmm. in that, in that shock mode. And then all of a sudden it's, you know, their chances decrease, their options are close to zero. And now, you know, they become victims. So that's why it's very important to develop that, again, awareness. And this is something that you don't have to do martial arts, but you can work on. Every time you get out of the car, awareness of your surroundings, you pay attention to what's going on. You know, we have a lot of police officers in my gym. And uh, one of them told me a story about this woman, young woman, 20 some years old. Um, She was running in, uh, in the Chicago area somewhere. I can't remember the area exactly. She was running in the park. She had, um, um, how do you call that? The earphones, the, 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 oh, yeah. the yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So she was listening to music, running, running, running. Somebody came from behind, grabbed her, took her in the bushes, raped her, killed her on the spot. Jesus Christ. So, uh, you know, it's unfortunate, but awareness of your surroundings. You know, you look at young kids, 18, 19, 20 years old, in Chicago, everybody's on the phone. Nobody pay attention to what's going on around them. It's then, of course, they're becoming easy targets, you know. So I, I got to admit, I've been, I've been guilty of that myself. Walking around, looking at my phone, and every now and then I'll snap out of it. and I'll be like, "What am I doing?" You know. And yeah. someone, someone at the very least can steal my phone right out of my hand because I'm not even watching what's going on. Right. Yep. But um, uh, I wanted to. Um, oh man. There, there's so much there. Uh, I, I think, I think one of the issues I have with because this is this. There was someone who came. Um, I'm not going to say who, but I've been exposed to some of these training sessions mm-hmm. where they come into an office and these mm-hmm. people who 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 are experts will talk about these scenarios, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I always sit there, and my thought was like, there is no way. There is no way that this is going to work only because the mm-hmm. people that are that are working here, I mean, the people who they don't train this stuff. Yep. There is no way that you're going to be able to get this to work because mm-hmm. the person, the, you know, like, like because yeah. some, they'll, they'll even say some of the things you're, you're talking about, like be aware of your surroundings, etc. Mm-hmm. But I know that it's not even for me. Like I will be a deer in headlights because I have witnessed this myself. And I, and mm-hmm. it's crazy that you bring this up because I thought it was just me being not the, not the best at what I'm doing, but I don't train these scenarios. No. I, there, there was this one situation where um, I, I joined this, this little race, right? It was a zombie race. 
And so they, there are people who dressed up as zombies and I'm running through the, through the course and they're supposed to catch you. Right. So mm -hmm. um, I, I run through like me and my buddies were running. Right. And so we finally encounter some zombies, quote unquote. Right. Mm -hmm. get to the zombies and, and I see them and I'm like, <gasps> and I, I stopped, but I was like, wait a minute. I know there's fake. You know they're coming and you I, know they're fake, yeah, but I you still stopped. But I still deer in yeah. headlights. And this is, yeah. and it's because, you know, I don't train for zombies, yeah. you know, right. <laughs> or yeah. this scenario where there's an attacker, because that's what they are essentially is it's an attack situation. And I have to run through in order to kind of uh, yep. get together to get to the goal. Right. Yeah. Um, so. It, it, it's funny because even in that scenario, I was just like, why am I freezing? And I snapped out of it. And, and I, but those few seconds where I had to kind of stop and analyze, mm -hmm. that's enough for me to get killed. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, sometimes stopping and analyzing what's going on is not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And it's because, for example, going back to active shooter, right? Give you perfect, going back to the Colorado shooting saying, okay, I know where the exit door is. I know what I'm supposed to uh, supposed to run toward the exit door. But now you make that decision and now you get into the kill zone, right? Yeah. So that's not always the best option. So understanding the environment and understanding where is the attacker, what is the best decision in that moment, and that can be, again, uh, can be run, can be hide, can be fight. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, you increase your chances. So going back to skill under stress, learning to make that decision on the spot. Yeah. And how are you going to do that? Always running through this kind of scenarios because I mean, there is no other way around it. You know? Yeah. One of the Training things is what makes you better. Absolutely. Uh, one of the things I, I, I train with the kids, especially because, and I've told them this because one of the, uh, I realized, you know, for a while there, we were going to a gym we had this facility, this, we had access to a big facility and just for fun, I gave the kids some sticks and we would whack each other with them. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I told a friend of mine, cause I was like, you know, I know some Eskrima, but I'm not the best. I really, you know, I forgot all the angles already. I only know like angle one through four and it, it depends on the system even. So it doesn't matter. But like, so like my, my Eskrima is not the best. But I, I, so I was like, you know, I want to practice sticks with the kids, right? So I read this book and the book says, in, in the first three pages, the book said that the, the way this guy learned how to fight was his dad just gave him a stick and then he kicked the shit out of him with the stick. There was no angles. And I was like, really? That's all I need to know? All right then. So then I'm an expert, yeah. right? <laughs> so I got these sticks with, with, with sponges and I gave them to the kids. And they were little, like five and, and seven, right? And, but we keep at it, right? And you know, we've been going at it for a while. Um, they got big enough where they became a problem and they, and there were one, that, like, I realized at one point when my son like smacked me in the face <laughs> that together, yeah, they can be effective. Even oh, yeah. if I'm a grown up, right. Yeah. Um, there might be something else in play too, because I'm not trying to kill them. You know, I'm just, trying <laughs> to, you know, <laughs> are you sure? No, well, not like, even sometimes, yeah. like every once in sometimes a while. Sometimes right? I want to kill them, but, <laughs> <laughs> but that's against the law. <laughs> yeah. But no, so like I, but I gave them the sticks and, and uh, I realized, hey, they can overwhelm an adult between the two, mm -hmm. of them, you know? Yep. And so, like, uh, I don't know if you saw not too long ago, I posted a video where they kicked the shit out yep. of me. I, I love that. Yeah, I, that was real. I like, I was, I was trying to 
hit them. And my, and, but the thing is, is that, you know, and I told them like, you guys can over overwhelm somebody. If somebody attacks you guys and you're with your mother and your mother needs protecting, you guys grab a stick and you kick the shit out of people and you guys work together. Right. And so yep. that's what, you know, that's kind of like what I've been working with them on. But like, you know, of course, like you're saying, run if you can. Right. But if you have to, yep. you know, uh, I'm going to give you a perfect example. Uh, it happened a couple of weeks ago. Um, I can't remember the city uh, where that it was an 11 year old girl waiting for the bus. And it was a guy got out of the, his uh, van and tried to kidnap her at knife point. Have mm -hmm. you seen that video? Yes, I have. She was just standing there by herself on the corner. I think it was in Illinois, wasn't it? I, I don't remember that. It could okay. have been, but I don't remember what it was. But so she escaped. She fought her way out and she escaped. Yeah. Because in the end, it's not about fighting the guy. It's about being aggressive enough to escape. Yes. And that's a victory right there for her, you know. Mm -hmm. And she's able to tell the story, yeah. you know, and for us to talk about it. Because yes. us, otherwise, imagine the, the outcome. She would have been kidnapped, most likely killed, and mm -hmm. that's and, pretty much the end of it. And she was a little girl. She wasn't, she wasn't, little girl, yeah. she wasn't mm -hmm. like a, a, an adult. Like, you know, the, like this guy could have picked her up and carried her away if he wanted to. But she was aggressive enough and crazy enough to, like, fight. Yep. And, and, and that was enough. There, there's funny, like. Mm, a while ago, um, uh, my my sister was going to go pick up her daughter at a school, and this fucking crazy person stops in a van and gets out. Like the kids were coming out of school. It wasn't like it was like by himself, only one victim. It was like there was all these kids, all these parents walking around. This maniac fucking gets off the van and jumps out and tries to kidnap one of the kids like he i don't think he even cared what he was grabbing he was just grabbing a kid so he jumps mm -hmm. on he tries to grab a kid you know everybody there sees it there's no way in hell this guy's getting away right so yep. um the, you know the, all the kids start screaming you know the not screaming but you know like running and telling people um mm -hmm. there was enough of a fight in the girl to let him to to make him let go so he jumps back in the van but there were so many people around he wasn't mm -hmm. getting away. He he got caught right away. Uh, I, I guess, yeah, because there was like I, I think a cop like doing um uh, traffic control or whatever, you know. So like eventually yeah. this guy got caught, but it's just you know some of these people, of course, they're unhinged. But having the fight in you to to mm -hmm. will be will be enough. Sometimes you don't need to know all these techniques. So long as you know, hopefully, you know, in some scenarios, mm -hmm. in some scenarios, especially with these wackos. Yep. You don't need much training. You just need to be able to have the fight in you to, to get out. I'm always giving this example to people. And I tell them, I say, imagine that you just get a new puppy or a new cat, right? Mm -hmm. And you think, oh, my God, she's so cute. Or he's so cute, right? I want to play with it. And all of a sudden, that puppy starts scratching you, biting you. You're going to be like this. The hell with this. I'm not going to deal with that, right? Yeah. Why? Because it brings that aggression toward you. And it's not... Something that you can say, oh, I'm going to die because he bit me or because it scratched me. It's because that perceived aggression that your brain sees it and it wants to move away from it. Yeah. You know? And that sometimes is more than enough to get the attacker letting you, you go. You know? yeah. Because attackers, they're like animal predators. They're looking for an easy prey. 
Yes. You know, and the more you put up a fight, the more you increase your chances to survive. Yeah. You know? And that's the idea. Yeah. Yeah. I've always shared that with the kids. I try not, it's, it's crazy because you talk about some of these things, like these scenarios. Yeah. I don't want to scare them, you know? Yep. But I also like, I, I want them to be aware that there's bad people out there. Yep. And it, it, it's funny too, because like at one point I was trying to teach my, my daughter the little bit of capoeira that I know. And I'm like, look, look, this is capoeira. This is how you do this. And she's like, why would I use that? And yeah. like, but it, it's capoeira. It, it looks nice. Look at it. You know? And, yeah. and she's like, I don't want to learn that. That that's not useful in a in a in a self-defense situation. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, okay. Uh, but but you're making a monster. I know. But I was just like, I love it. I'm like, you should learn everything. And she's like, I don't want to learn that. That's a waste of time. And I'm like, what the yep. fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um uh George, do, is there anything you would like to plug before we go? It's just a pleasure, guys, to talk, talk to you. And Edgar, it was such a nice pleasure and such a good good surprise for me to see you. And uh, I had a great time. Thank and you then, so much. Thank yeah. you so much for the for the invite. Um, I had a fantastic time. And uh, the rest, we're gonna keep in touch and we'll keep on doing the good thing. Absolutely, man, absolutely. This is, this is awesome. Uh, and you have the Alpha Krav Maga compound out in uh, Northbrook, right? Northbrook, Illinois. Yeah. So I, I will put uh, a link to your website in the description so they can find you. You don't have a, a YouTube or anything like that or a Facebook? Uh, no, we just have a Facebook page and Instagram page. Oh, okay, cool. I'll go ahead and, and uh, put all those links in the, in the description so people can find you. Thank you so much. Thank you for the invite. It was such a pleasure talking to you guys. It was good to read. Hey, thank you, man. It was tons of fun. Appreciate it. Yeah, awesome. We'll do this again sometime if you have time. For sure. For sure. All thank right. So All right. All Take right. Take it easy. Bye. All right. This is Edgar Otra Vez with the Flower Podcast with our special guest, George Wuruyan and co-host Dan. Oops. Not Dan. <laughs> Not my cousin Dan. Sorry. We had to scratch that out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks so much. We'll Take catch it you easy. <laughs> the name of the tune you're listening to is called Fridays by Lupus Nocte. You can find that over at Epidemic Sound. Make sure you use my referral link in the description. Also, if you like what you just heard and you want more, you can head on over to theflowrollpodcast.com where you will find a complete catalog of all our episodes, along with the store where you can buy stuff. Lots of cool stuff, like throw pillows. Um, I keep pushing the throw pillows. I don't know why throw pillows keep coming up, but I keep pushing those things. Uh, make sure you check them out, because I got I got some. Uh, I also got shirts. I got I got pencil cases. Uh, the, check out the store. There's stuff there. You could, you'll, you'll like it. Also, if you want more nonsense, you can find us on Instagram under the name the flow roll now if you want to support the podcast and you don't want to hurt my feelings make sure you like subscribe and share wherever you get your podcasts at so uh just press all the buttons that make the podcast gods happy now dudes how about that man that was that was amazing man i love george george burian is the best man uh, if you want to find george head on over to instagram where he's at Alpha Krav Maga IL. He's on Twitter uh, under the name Alpha Compound. And you can check him out at his website, alphakmc.com. 
Don't worry, I have all the links in the description. You can find everything you need to find George Buruyan and his amazing school out in Northbrook. If you live in Illinois and you want to train self-defense, George Buruyan is the real deal, man. Thank you, George, for coming on. And don't forget to check out Dantastic Sizzler on Instagram. That is not my cousin Dan's handle on Insta. So make sure you check him out and show him some love. That's the spiel for this week, man. Thanks so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Bye.